to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. My name is Joshua Murray, and um, I'm your guest speaker today. So um, today we're going to be talking about uh, forgiveness. So like in the last year or two when my dad was really sick and it was like very getting towards like the end, um, it, was, it was like kind of a long drawn out process with his, his illness and um, like kidney failure and everything like that. So it gives you a lot of time to prepare, but not in terms of, like, yes, prepare, like, physical stuff and get things ready, but also, like, in that spiritual sense, it's, like, a long, a long time coming. And so it started to get me thinking about the topic of forgiveness and everything like that, because when loved ones die, of course, they, they are with us. They're always, they're in our memories, they're in our behaviors, our mannerisms, uh, the stories, stories that we share, but also in a very real sense, they're, they're gone. You can't clear anything up with them. You can't tie up loose ends. You can't bury hatchets. So I knew that in that time when he was getting sicker and sicker, when I having to go to the hospital and everything like that, um, that I start to think about like forgiveness and and everything like that because the writing was um, on the wall and I did not want to have like like carry that regret like regrets and burdens because we we always will when a a friend passes or a family member passes you always remember like these random like nothing memories that probably never crossed their mind, but you're like, oh, why was I so like short with them that one time or, uh, and so those you're always going to have, but you want to be able to cl- clear up what you can. So I was thinking about forgiveness and, um, what I've kind of realized, at least in myself, is that, we're never really told or explained what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is all throughout the Bible, all through Scripture, and Jesus talks about it. We're told um, we are forgiven. We're told to forgive others um, that, like, you know, our sins are forgiven. But we don't ever, we're never told, like, what forgiveness is. And um, I think in probably all of my... um, my talks that I've done, I have um, talked about the story of of the Beetle King, which I hold very dear because uh, you probably can't see, but that's the Beetle King right there. So it's always like on my mind. But the long and short of that is that he's a beetle, like an actual um, bug. It's like a parable. You know, he's not one of the lovable lads from Liverpool. He's an actual bug. And he sees a fire off in the distance. And being a bug, he does not know what it is. And he wants to know what it is. So he sends out all these people to investigate and tell him what this glowing thing is that he's seeing. 
and they come back and they just keep giving them what they see. Like, oh, it's it's hot. It'll burn you. It consumes everything. It's super bright. And he's just like, well, all you're doing is telling me what it looks like or what it seems like, all the attributes, but you're not telling me what it is. And so um, to investigate, he's had enough and he just dives right into the fire and is consumed by it because that's the only way he could find out what it is because everything else is just attributes and that's what i feel like the bible does for us with forgiveness so um you know so like when we're told to forgive others you know as we are forgiven like how can we do that if we don't even know what it is uh and then when you start to read up on it there's some things that just like uh most topics of the bible it starts to um, hit you weird and it seems like that can't be right because um, a lot of scriptures seem to make forgiveness from God contingent on us forgiving others um, so if we look at Matthew 6 14 it, it happens in a few other places uh, like Luke it happens it's mentioned and Mark obviously but if we look at 614 it says um, yes if you forgive others for their sins your father in heaven will also forgive you for your sins but if you don't forgive others your father in heaven will not forgive your sins and like what what is that about you know it's uh there has to be more to that because at first glance what it reads like is like well if you want god to be the bigger person he's got to be inspired by you being the bigger person and that just doesn't make sense so it's it just the more you try to find out about forgiveness the more confusing it is especially since what we really have to go off of is what we are told in church or Sunday school, and they're just trying to figure it out also. So we get this huge stumbling block, which I would say is probably the biggest one, which is the phrase forgive and forget. And that's usually what's presented. Um, and it might not be that exact phrase, like not everyone's saying forgive and forget, but that's the general idea that they try to... Um, impart to us if someone like has offended us like oh just forget about it you know you've been through a lot with together don't throw all that away and it's always has that idea of forgive and forget and it's a stumbling block for forgiveness because i don't know if that's humanly possible because say if you stole my wallet once right now i could say i forgive you but if I never leave my wallet in the same room with you, it's I'm clearly not forgetting what you did. So um, we might have a tendency to just like throw the baby away with the bathwater when it comes to forgive and forget. Because it's like that's not even possible. And, and the idea if someone really hurts us to be able to forget that just does not seem right. Because some pain is changes your whole life. Um, so one thing I found that was promising and very um, encouraging to me is that if we look at Hebrews 8.12, and now this is a scripture that's referencing something in Jeremiah. 
but we see something very um, like a breath of fresh air, and that's the word end. So it says, um, I will forgive them for their wicked things, for the wicked things they did, and I will not remember their sins anymore. So that word end separates forgiveness and forgetting into two separate unrelated acts. So they're not conjoined, um, and that makes forgiveness a lot more obtainable because it's not um, tied to having to forget everything that's happened to us by um, by the other person uh, that, that, that hurt us. And so that's where we start to get into... Um, the idea of like making amends with somebody, um, and that we find the difference between forgiving, uh, forgiveness and atonement or making amends. Um, cause they're also two things that are combined that shouldn't be, um, so the way that I kind of have it broken down in, um, in my head, is that atonement, so atonement is an act between various people. So atonement is something we do that our relationships and our friendships can survive. But forgiveness is something we do within ourselves so that we can survive. Um, Because forgiveness doesn't have anything to do with the other people that are involved. It's a very internal, like, uh, personal thing. When Jesus is on the cross and he's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. No one's asking for forgiveness. They're they're making fun of him. They're in the process of killing him. And so he's not saying forgive them because they're, they're apologizing. So it has nothing to do with getting a, an apology from the other person or the other parties involved. That's not forgiveness. That's atonement. Um, and that's something that Jesus has mentioned in a few of his sermons. And um, so, say um, in, in Mark, Mark eleven twenty five, we'll just read that really quick. Um, when you are praying, if you are angry with someone, forgive him so that your Father in Heaven will also forgive your sins. It's that contingency again, but but he says, if you are angry with somebody, forgive them first while you're praying. But then if we jump to Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 5, 23, that's where you get the... Um, so when you offer your gift to God at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, go make peace with that person, then come back and offer your gift. So that shows the difference between forgiveness and atonement or making amends. Because when we're hurt by somebody, we have the ability to forgive them without them being involved. That's why he's saying when you're praying and you find that you have something against someone, forgive them, like let go of that so you could continue praying. But with, um, in Matthew, if he's saying if you offended somebody, if someone has something against you where forgiveness is not on your 
your end because you offended them, you have to go make amends with them. So it is a very, um, it separates that uh, into atonement and forgiveness, which I thought was very interesting. And so for, for me, uh, if you've heard my other um, talks, you know that I tend to look everywhere for biblical truths and um, lessons to be learned. And I do this because... Sorry about that. I'm talking a lot and my, my mouth's getting dry. But the reason I do that is because for people that go to church or they um, read the Bible, the Bible stories work very well for them. But it's not a universal thing. And I, if you were to tell a Bible passage to someone that doesn't believe, they might like the sound of it, but to them, it's no more truthful than if you quoted Star Wars at them or something like that. So I like to try to find these universal things. And for Atonement, there's this movie... Um, it's by David Lynch. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm not recommending that the weird David Lynch stuff. This was a, a movie that I believe he made because his wife said that all he does is make weird stuff. He can't ever make a straight story, uh, like a straight uh, movie, just plot and it, without anything uh, being weird. And so he made the straight story, which is based on a true story of the. Um, the straight brothers. So you have two brothers that are estranged. You have Alvin and you have Lyle. They haven't talked in I don't know how many years. Uh, Lyle has a stroke and he's in real bad shape. And Alvin hears about this and knows that he might not have time to make amends with his brother if he doesn't act fast. But he's 76 years old, uh, his eyes are too bad, and his legs are too bad to get a driver's license. So um, he, the only thing he could think to do is he rides his John Deere lawnmower 240 miles to see his brother. It takes six weeks, and he's able to do it, and they have like a reconciliation. And so to me, that is, that's atonement. That's someone knowing that they offended someone, and they had to make it, make it right. So they take it upon themselves to do that. And um, because ever since the dawn of time, atonement has always required... Um, sacrifice. It used to be sacrificing pure animals that were unblemished. That ties into Jesus, uh, his sacrifice. But even now, to atone, um, it still requires sacrifice. But now it might be we have to sacrifice our pride or our stubbornness and shame or even our free time or all of the above um, It's in order to to have that amends and that atonement. So, since I don't really know what, like, forgiveness is, and that's what we're trying to unravel here, finding an example of forgiveness in, like, a movie or a song was not that easy. And the first one that came to mind is the movie Face Off. So you're just going to have to bear with me. I know it's a sci-fi shoot 'em up with body switching and face swapping. It's very weird. Um, and it's a movie that probably only works in the 90s. Um, 
but at the beginning of the movie, what sets the whole movie in motion is that Nicolas Cage's character tries to uh, um, assassinate John Travolta. The bullet travels through John Travolta, but he doesn't die, but it hits his son, and his son dies from, from getting shot by Nicolas Cage. And so now, very um, physically and spiritually, John Travolta has a scar right where his heart was um, that he carries with him about uh, what happened to his son. And so as the science happens in the movie, they find a way they're, they're going to swap their, their faces and trim their bodies up so that they... Um, they basically, so John Travolta could infiltrate the gang that Nicolas Cage was in. That's not important. The important thing is that John Travolta is nervous about this surgery, and he um, asked the, the surgeons, when, when this is all done and you put me back in my own body, please, I want that scar back. Do not get rid of that scar. Like, I need that. Um, and then the movie goes on. People learn and grow, and there's gunfights and slow motion. And then um, at the end of the movie, when he's getting his body back, he tells the surgeons, that scar that I had, I don't need that anymore. Um, so I thought that that was a very, um, it, it kind of it fit very well because Nicolas Cage doesn't apologize to him. Uh, nobody does, but he has, he finds that something in himself to work on that forgiveness that he needed to be free. And so... Um, that that again showing how forgiveness isn't a sing like an internal thing that we don't need any outside source for versus the atonement where it's two people have to come make amends for each other uh to each other and there's a great quote that everybody I'm sure has heard finding the origin of the quote is a lot harder you know it's um it's been said that St Augustine said it Nelson Mandela said it, Carrie Fisher, Alcoholics Anonymous, Buddha. It's like, if you try to find the origin of this quote, that's what you get. And it's that um, holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and hoping to make the other person sick. And there's another great variation um, with the similar origins that I, you don't, uh, I can't find, but it's that holding on to hatred is like holding on to a burning coal with the goal of throwing it at somebody, but all the while you're holding it and it's just burning yourself. And so that's really what it comes down to with forgiveness is you want to get rid of that, that poison in you. You want to stop drinking the poison. You want to stop burning your hand thinking that it's going to spite somebody else. Now... There's a story that kind of set this in motion. As I mentioned before um, about my dad passing away is so when he was a kid, um, maybe like 10 years old or something like that, my grandfather, who is who was the one of the greatest like people that I ever knew people like his kindness and generosity, his honesty was just known all over the place excuse me to to the extent a little side note one time he was golfing at this golf course that he was um 
he golfed at for, I don't know, 40 years or something like that, 30 years, and he got a hole-in-one, and nobody was around to see it. And so he told the um, the people at the clubhouse, he's like, oh, you won't believe it. I actually got a hole-in-one. I couldn't find the ball, and then there it was in the cup. But nobody was around to see it. So, And he goes, if Keen Murray says that he got a hole-in-one, he got a hole-in-one because they knew that he just – he didn't lie because I was the, he's a very gentle, nice man is what I'm saying. And when my dad was maybe 10 years old and I don't know if it was a joke that went bad or if it was just frustration or something, my dad was acting out in some way, um, at the dinner table. And my, um, my grandfather said that he was acting like a little pig and it really hurt my dad. And Instead of being wrong and strong or doubling down on it, realizing that he hurt my dad, the next day he gathered everybody that was there um, when it happened and publicly apologized to my dad um, about that, you know, saying how um, he didn't mean it at all. He was frustrated that he loves him very much. And to go a step further, to, to make amends, he made my dad his favorite meal. I don't know what it was, but it was his favorite meal. And so I bring that up because my dad and my grandfather, they did have a very good relationship um, all the way up till the very end. My grandfather lived with us and um, everything. But until, until recently, until like my before my dad died, within like six months before he died, if that story came up, my dad was still like offended and agitated by it. It stuck with him for almost 70 years. And I bring that up because when I'm talking about forgiveness being an internal thing that we have to do um, in order to free ourselves of that poison and that burning coal, it's just like my dad didn't do that since the time he was like 10 years old. Because what more could my grandfather have done? He did the public apology. I'm sure he's apologized even more than that one time. He made him his favorite meal. Like, At what point does it stop being my grandfather's responsibility to pull this forgiveness out of my dad and that it's my, my dad's um, like uh, it's on him to to get to reach that forgiveness in himself. And um, out of all the stories that I found in the Bible, when I'm going through forgiveness, the one that stuck out to me the most um, was the story of Jacob and Esau. So I believe that's how we pronounce the name Esau. So, I'll have to give you the long and short of it because it spans like 20 years. But Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. And um, Jacob was, he's he's uh, like held in very high esteem in the Bible. But all he does, is he just lies and tricks people throughout the whole thing. So, that's something I guess about how God uses flawed people um, and like lifts them up. So there's something about that. But when they're young men, Esau being the older brother was supposed to be given the birth, the birthright. So basically all the inheritance and money and land and everything goes to the oldest son. 
which was Esau. And two weird things happened. One is Esau is was hunting. He's a very hairy, manly, like hunter type, uh, like stereotypical hunter type guy. And he um, comes back from hunting, famished. Like it, it, he says that he's on death's door because he's so dehydrated and starving. And so he asks his brother for some of the the stew that he made. And his brother goes, "Oh yeah, I'll give you stew, um, some of this, if you give me your birthright." And he's like, "Esau's like, I'm I'm dying, and that's what you, that's you're really not going to help me out. You're just going to to pull that." And he's like, "Fine, you can have it. Like I don't care. Just give me like I need to survive. If I die now because of the starvation, what what good is any of the the birthright going to do for me?" So that's that's what happens. And then when it comes time to get the birthright. I don't know if Esau was kind of reneging on on that, um, but it, he was going to get the the birthright. And um, his his father Isaac, who was blind at that time, because he was he was very old, so he was blind. And he says for Esau to go out, kill an animal for us. We're going to cook it, and then after that, I will give you your birthright, and it'll be yours. Forever and Esau's like I'm down, so he goes to leave and um, get food. And all the while, Jacob and his mom hatch a plan. While your older brother's out, we're gonna trick your dad, and you're gonna get the birthright. So again, Jacob lies, tricks, all these things. And so, like I said before, Esau was a very, very hairy man. So they like put. Um, like goat goat skin on um, on Jacob, so he was hairy, and he put on his brother's clothes. Since his dad was blind, he wouldn't be able to tell. Tricks him into getting the the birthright because he's like, oh, you you know, you sound like Jacob, but you smell and you feel like Esau. So maybe I'm just tired and old and getting confused. So so that happens, and Esau goes. I'm going to kill him. I hate him, and I am going to kill him. And then then with Esau's character, it just fades to black. He just disappears. He's just gone. And then 20 years later, they're going to meet up. And Jacob's like, I haven't heard from him in 20 years. He's going to kill me. I have um, all of these... I'm going to give him all my animals, like my sheep, my goats, everything to apologize. And hopefully then he'll forgive me and he won't kill me. And as he's walking to do that, Esau runs at him, gives him a great big hug and is like, what I saw, I saw you coming. Like, I'm so excited. What are all these animals here for? And he's like, oh, this is to, for you to forgive me. And Esau's like, no, I don't, I have everything I need. Keep them, please. I don't need it. Like, I, I for you're forgiven. I love you, and so it's very a very touching story. Uh, it's in Genesis. Um, it, like I said, it jumps around. It's a little weird, but it's it's like a great tale of forgiveness and atonement. But the the weird thing is, where it's this great example of forgiveness. All of that's the stuff of about um, what Esau, Esau goes through to reach this forgiveness in him. It's not in the Bible. It's just, like I said, it just cuts to black, and he shows up 20 years later, and he has reached this point of um, forgiveness. 
And the reason why I told that whole story is because um, it kind of is a meeting of forgiveness and atonement where Jacob is like, no, I need to apologize. I need to give all like make do all these actions to show him how sorry I am. And um, but for but Esau, the way it's worded, he before he received any gifts or anything like that, he's like, no, it's, I forgive you. You know, so it's he didn't need that. Whereas Jacob felt that he need needed to give it, and it's a very like um, perfect storm of forgiveness and atonement. And the um, the interesting with, thing with that too is remember. Uh, when I was saying how some scriptures seem to be make it sound like forgiveness is contingent on forgiving others. If we want God to forgive us, we have to forgive others. And, um, but maybe what that's kind of saying is in order for us to receive, like feel that we can be forgiven, we have to understand what it is to forgive other people. And um, you could see that Jacob, maybe he struggles with forgiveness. I'm not sure. Because he wasn't at a place that he could accept it without feeling that he had to earn it. And so maybe that's what that contingency is. Uh, I still don't really know. Um, but that's something I was thinking. And the... Um, so I think in our roadblock to of understanding for at least for me for understanding forgiveness and um and in order to practice forgiveness is we have to be able to see ourselves in other people and understand the the um the reasons they do the things they do and um it doesn't to understand why someone does something that's bad or hurtful it doesn't mean that you um, excuse it or um, like you just like it doesn't matter. It just helps you get into their mindset um, and see yourself in them, which I think is that that last thing that we need to reach this journey of forgiveness. Because like I said, forgiveness is... Um, and the internal thing that we we have to go through without help from other people to get rid of that burning coal in our hand. You know, when Jesus talks about, you know, how how can you take the speck out of your neighbor's eye when you have a huge log in your own, um, on a great interpretation I heard of that was if you had this big log in your eye and you're trying to get a speck out of someone else's eye, that big log in your eye would ref in reflection seem like a little speck in their eye but it's just the reflection of your own faults like so i like that because it helps me remember to um to see myself in other people that we're we're all the same we're different of course but the things that drive us the, the way our minds work it really when you boil it down is the same and now I'm really focused on forgiveness. Um, I'm not talking about 
atonement right now when I'm mentioning these things because I don't really care about that stuff, to, to be completely honest. I think um, if somebody wants to, is at fault, like, um, at odds with somebody and they want to repair their, their friendship and patch it up, as long as it's a safe thing and it's not like an abusive thing, go for it. That's, that's great. I'll, I'll encourage it. But that seems secondary to the fact of how important it is for us to reach that point of forgiveness, to get all that, that hate and poison out of us. And that doesn't involve anybody else. That just involves us getting to that place. Um, and so in, in seeing ourselves and our behaviors and other people's behavior, it will help us not take things like a malicious attack maybe or a personal dig. We'll, we could kind of see like, no, this person's human and they're having like a weak point. And I understand that. And again, it doesn't, for, it doesn't excuse their behavior or anything. It just helps us because we've, We've probably all experienced that moment where we're like, I'm going to be a good friend, I'm going to be a good brother, sister, and I'm not going to be devil's advocate. I'm actually going to try to help somebody. And they come to us and they're telling us something that happened, um, that happened to them to hurt them. And we're maybe helping them see like, no, I'm sure they did it because you know how how they get when they're angry or we will do something to try to explain the, the other person's behavior. And we're met with the same phrase. Yeah, but that doesn't make it right. And it's true. It doesn't make it right. But that's not what we're saying. Because seeing things from another point of view, it's not a weakness. It's not accepting that behavior. It's not excusing that behavior. It just helps us maybe find a, like a pathway to that forgiveness because we're like, oh, that's true. They probably didn't mean it on, on purpose. They were just angry and I still hate that they did that. But no, I see their, I see what they, what they were going for. And, and you might not get over it right away and find that forgiveness, but it is just like a little opening that it makes it possible because Maybe it's naive of me, but I don't think that the world is as full of like those like twirling mustache villains. Like, oh, I'm gonna tie someone to a railroad track. Eh, see, like, um, and I don't think that people do evil just to do evil, like they do in in the movies and everything like that. Um, because people they act on emotion, they act on, um misconceptions and we all we have to remember too that we're all the heroes of our own story so when someone does something that hurts you to them it makes sense very rarely are they going like i'm gonna hurt them just to hurt them like to them their behavior makes sense even if it's not like good behavior if they screw you over if they lie to you or they always have a reason that it makes sense to them. No one's sitting there being like, no, I'm the bad guy in this scenario. Um, but, you know, the... So, yeah, it makes it makes sense to them. Um, and they... And that's how they reach a point to justify it because a lot of us, you know, even if it's not the right way of thinking... Um, that the um, 
I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I have it in my notes, but it's a little um, weird. But like the the ends just like people get in their minds that the ends justify the means, and that's not a that's not a healthy way to think of things. But that's the way they might justify things to themselves, and we all do it whether we're aware of it or not. So if something someone's hurting our friends, our family, you know, I. I find it hard to believe that when I look at the news and I'm watching all these politicians, like it does seem like they're twirling their mustaches and, you know, just doing things to be bad. But it just, it, I know that they have a reason for doing those things and it doesn't make sense to me, but they have an end goal in mind and they will do whatever it takes to, to get there. And so, you know, if, if friends or family, God, country, any of that's involved, people could do some horrendous stuff because they feel like they're doing it for the sake of something more important. And that doesn't make it right. That doesn't forgive anything. But it, it helps us see people as not cartoon villains, but as real people. And it doesn't excuse anything, nor should we. But if it's making us hate and we're feeling angry all the time, um, the I'm sorry, I'm reading the I'm trying to work in some of the stuff I'm seeing in chat, um, and we could address this stuff at after, in Afterglow, which we will be doing um, in a little bit because I would uh, love to talk more about amends and um, the difference between making amends and forgiving. So we'll definitely touch on that um, in a little bit. Um, so if we could see people as human and see ourselves in them, even when they do horrible stuff, it just takes away that barrier so that we could get rid of, we realize there's a burning coal in our hands and we could not wait to be trying to peg someone with it. We could be like, oh, why am I doing this? This is not helping anybody else. And I think of the song um, Sniper by um, Harry Chapin. And it was written in the 70s, um, and it's about a bell, uh, bell Tower sniper. And in an interview, just about his songwriting in general, he talks about that his songs come from a place of honesty and truth and things that he's felt and um, experienced. And someone brought up the song Sniper. And he was like, I've never been on the top of a bell tower. I've never killed anyone or shot anyone with a rifle. But I certainly understand the anger and frustration that drives somebody to want to do that. I've never done it. But it's still an honest song because I understand what the the anger and frustration that they had clearly something is wrong with them that they feel this is the way to go about it but to deny that we haven't all felt that sort of anger um is it's that would be untruthful so um i just like that story in terms of how he could see himself in even in horrendous stuff so that he has that place of understanding. Um, so I, I like that. And the, the last thing that we'll, we'll talk on for this, and then we'll address some of the stuff in the, um, in the chat is I got this from Jay and I wholeheartedly believe, and he says, you know, grace is anarchy. 
And I don't say that to sound like the, you know, that, that youth pastor that's like, you guys want to hear about the biggest rebel in town, the biggest anarchist, the real cool guy named Jesus. Like, I don't mean it like that. I'm not trying to work that angle. I'm just like, grace is anarchy, literally. You know, there's no, there's no rules to grace. There's no hierarchy. There's no asterisks. You know, there's no, guys, we have to show grace and mercy to everyone, except insert whoever here um you know there's no terms or conditions and so it almost is chaotic in in a sense um because it's like everybody receives grace no matter how horrible they are no matter how good they are they you know grace it should be given to to everybody and now uh, again i'm approaching this from that internal so we don't carry hate around with us. I'm not talking about crime and punishment uh, or escaping punishment. You know, if Ted Bundy says, I'm a Christian, like, well, you still have to pay for your crimes. There's no ifs, ends, or buts about that. You know, give Caesar what's his. You know, um, there's a ton of scriptures about obeying the law. And so showing them grace and reaching that place of forgiveness in ourselves, that doesn't spare them any of that. That's, you made that bed. Those are your um, consequences, but we can only control what we can control, which is ourselves and keeping hatred away, keeping poison out of us. Um, and it's it's a process, you know. Um, we'll talk about it in Afterglow and everything, and we'll try to unravel it more. But I don't know. That's just some of my thoughts on it. I'm anxious to hear some of your thoughts on it but it is a process and we try it and then we fail at it and we try again and we fail better at it and then hope the goal is to reach a place where forgiveness and grace and mercy become so natural to us from trying and failing and learning and failing and learning and learning and learning that it's so natural that it becomes as easy as breathing or blinking you don't you don't have to think about it it just happens and i mean that's that's the dream at least so i don't i don't know that's the goal so that's that's my where i'm at and we'll um we'll have an afterglow um so caleb's gonna call and we're gonna do um an afterglow i'm gonna put him on speakerphone and he will he was keeping track of the chat and uh we're gonna kick around some ideas and there he is Hey, what's up, dude? Hey, man. All right, we got you. That was very thought-provoking. Oh, thank you. Um, the thing that you were saying there about, um, like, you know, mm. people not being evil and, and kind of like if, if we were in anyone's shoes, we would make the same choices that they make. Um, actually, I, I was talking with, with Greg, who, who's here right now, my, my father, uh, about an acquaintance that I've made who, who was raised by just some, honestly, I just, just some evil foster parents, just like who had just some really evil practices, and they presented themselves as, as like missionaries, and outwardly, you know, they tried to they, they had this uh, this whole other visage that they kept up, um, but but behind closed doors, they're just really evil people. And um, the, their daughter, who I know, you know, still she she acknowledges how evil their acts were and how evil they acted. Uh, towards her and her siblings, but at the same time, she kind of defends them because she knows that inside of them, there's there's, there's a soul. You know, there's a there's there's like a baby. There's an infant inside there somewhere that over time, you know, conditioning, nature, nurture, 
kind of produces uh, like some kind of monster or something. Mm. But yeah, you know, it's just it's, it's it's such a tricky thing to navigate, like damning someone. I guess you know, saying yeah. like you deserve you you are evil, you are a monster, and you you deserve you know damnation or, or whatever. Fill in the blank. Um, My thought with with that is that. Um, I would never defend from from hearing that. I would never defend those people or try to make make you make amends with those people. Like my concern would be for you to reach a place where you're not carrying that burning coal or the poison. Because, like I said, I'm not I'm not concerned about, and I very rarely am about making amends with somebody if they had a falling out. That's that's on them to figure out. That has, even if they try to tell me what happened. It's really none of my business. That's that's on them to figure out. All I care about is that they're not walking around with hatred and and everything that robs them of their life. Um, yeah. And it does nothing to the other person. You know, if you if you hate somebody, it doesn't do anything to them. You know, it's it is very much you're just drinking this poison. Like, oh, I'm gonna show them. And um, so. With that, with that specific story, it's like that sounds horrible, and it's like I don't, I wouldn't take the position of trying to defend the um, the foster parents or, and I understand that hurt people hurt people, like yeah, that's just exactly, that's right. what happens, but that's that's like above our pay grade. That's that's like professionals need to kind of deal with that and everything. Only thing that we could deal with is not letting hate consume us and getting to that place of um forgiveness. And that's why somebody mentioned wanting to know uh Steve uh Peters he wanted yeah. me to talk about the difference between forgiving and making amends and that kind of comes like using that specific example, if you don't mind, is like amends would be if um, your dad made like healed the relationship with his foster parents and, you know, um, work to have an ongoing relationship with them. That's what I would say is making amends. I I. Um, don't think that that's as important as forgiveness because I don't right. lump them together because forgiveness is something that we do so that we like maybe like I was saying about how there is that contingency to them that maybe we have to learn how to forgive so that we could accept forgiveness or yeah. mainly we just don't want to walk around angry and full of hate and thinking that everything's against us and and we're just hurting ourselves it's just like you're holding that burning coal and so to touch on the difference between forgiving and amends is i don't think that your dad needs and to talk to the foster parents ever again in order to but he could still reach a point of forgiveness in himself but if he was going to make amends and there's that atonement then the other party needs to be involved but that's yeah, that yeah, because you can make amends with somebody and still not forgive them. You know, um, it's just like, yeah, that's where you get like, nah, I mean, I like the guy, but not or like I love the guy, but I don't like him. And you get like all those nonsense yeah. stuff. Um, right. Yeah, just, just to clear, just to, just to clarify, uh, mm. it was a story about a, an acquaintance of mine. Uh, that I was sharing with my father. Oh, okay. I misunderstood. Sorry about that. I probably um, didn't clarify enough myself. But yeah, so yeah, Steve also had another direct question for you. Okay. Uh, a, a request 
um, about uh, what does it mean then when a lender forgives a financial debt? How does atonement fit into financial uh, debt scenarios? Well, I don't know about about atonement, but the forgiveness of of debt. Um, as we forgive our debtor. No, um, so the forgiveness of debt is kind of the same principle is in which if I, you know, if you owed me a ton of money and then I got to a point where I'm just like, you know what, Caleb, don't worry about it. You don't have to, I forgive that. Like I forgive your debt. Like that's still an act on, on me, like to, to basically right. like take it on myself, um, the internal dealings of it for whatever reason. Um, now, how that that's of course in a perfect scenario of um, like, oh, I forgive your debts and you don't owe me anything. But in terms of like, say, like a barter system or something, that would be kind of more in in terms of amends, where there is action involved between two people and there is still some sort of sacrifice that is needed in terms of, all right, if you can't give me money, I'm going to need some of your skills, which is going to take up your free time. And that's how you'll make it up to me. So there is amends always seems to involve some sort of sacrifice, like atonement takes some sort of sacrifice. Again, it used to be a physical thing, but now it's just um, anything from money to free time to stubbornness and pride like for you to make amends with someone if you wrong them you might have to take a real hit to your pride and be like all right i was wrong i'm sorry like and um whereas forgiveness doesn't require any of that because the other person doesn't need to even have anything to do with the other person can be past you know can even have died you know like they could be gone forever and you might never be able to bury the hatchet with them and make amends with them but you can reach a place of forgiveness you know yeah that's that's a really important clarification i think and also um just to kind of build off what you were just saying there that that kind of opens my eyes to seeing that like forgiveness deals with the economy of like the the transaction between two people like the, the 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 forgiveness of a debt that is owed um, that's like a metaphysical transaction, whereas the atonement says, okay, yeah, let's use the financial scenario. Like, okay, this, mm-hmm. but, but this money is still gone now, so how do we make up this money? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I forgive you. The transaction between you and I emotionally and metaphysically is 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 a clean slate kind of thing, but then there's still 10 grand missing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Like, so how are we going to uh, uh, approach you know, uh, rectifying that situation, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And so with, with atonement or making amends, you would have to find a way to fill in that, that 10 grand and, but forgiveness would be like, you know what? It's gone. Who cares? I don't need it. Like it's, um, so something else just came through, but yeah. So Michael, uh, Michael just said, uh, a thought about the issue of God's forgiveness being somehow contingent on your forgiving others. Could that be that if you declare others undeserving of forgiveness, you're sort of saying to God or the universe, this is how things work. And God's just saying to you, okay, that will be done. It is so, and that is how you want it to be, how you want to be treated. Um, Like the old AA-ism of heaven is when we say, when we say to God, I'm not sure what the Uh, the end of that is. Quote is myself yeah. familiar with that. Um, 
Well, yeah, I think if I'm understanding that um, correctly, what I'm kind of uh, I touched on a little bit, um, and maybe not like super clearly that it's like if we declare others of um, yeah, like you know. So what he's saying is like if God's basically like if you're not going to forgive someone, then fine. That's the way you want it. That's the way you have it, right? If I'm if I'm getting that, and like that's how it reads in in the Bible, yeah. and that's a very it's like a jarring thing because I made a little bit light of it before, but it really does sound like the Bible saying, "All right, well, you need to be the bigger person in order for God to be the bigger person and forgive you too." Yeah, yeah, and um. But what I'm wondering is that, you know, what we saw in um, in Jacob, which there's a lot of things to really be in the Jacob Esau story to be dissected. Um, one thing, um, and uh, this is a slight tangent, I'll get back to the point I was making, but it says multiple times in various scriptures, even after the fact, that before the two sons were born born that god loved jacob and hated esau like before he was born god hated him it said which is very weird and then it's and then you hear about like esau's lineage and you know um the were the the edomites that they made um that like came of his line and how they were almost like a thorn in the side in all these bible stories with you know um and they were almost like enemies of so many people. And so that kind of begs the diff, like the question, like, but like, that's a chicken and egg thing. You know, is it kind of like, like, well, if God hates me, then what, what's the point? Who cares? Like, um, yeah. like I'm just looking out for me, but so not only that, but going back to the main point is Esau, even though he was hated, was the one that seemed to be able to understand and reach a point of forgiveness. Whereas, yeah. whereas Jacob was still stuck in feeling that he needed to atone. Like, so, like, um, what our friend uh, Michael was saying that, like, he almost felt like he couldn't accept forgiveness unless he did all of this stuff. So that kind of is like that same mindset like oh if you want to be forgiven or feel that you can be forgiven you need to forgive other people and yeah. so so it's um it's like he in the story he um Esau does relent and go all right I'll take like I'll take your animals that you're giving me but he says like I don't need them I don't want them I yeah. don't need them but basically saying like since it's so important for you I yeah. will do that and it's so he begs he begs for um that atone, like he has to beg for forgiveness but before that is a story where jacob physically wrestles with god or an angel and he's like he fights for a blessing like he doesn't beg for a blessing like he fights tooth and nail to get a blessing but when it comes to like feeling forgiven he like is begging for like no let me please show you that i'm sorry like it's very right. it's a very weird balance that he that he has there. And so that's something that I was was thinking of when it comes to forgive others so God forgives you that it might be very much in that same sense like you're never going to understand forgiveness if you don't practice it. Like if you if you carry poison around with you that's you're never going to understand life without that type thing. Right. So yeah. um, I don't it, know. I, you know, I've never for some reason I've never really noticed the parallel before but 
Um, Esau seems very much to be like kind of filling the role of the father in the story of the prodigal son. Yes, yep. And Jacob is the prodigal son, uh, even, even down to the point of wanting his inheritance. Um, you know, well, I guess the prodigal son wants his inheritance early, whereas Jacob wants his brother's inheritance. But, you know, well, because also Esau doesn't seem to care about his inheritance, which is very, um, I don't know. Is it just, did it come down to, like, you could have it because if I die because I starve to death because you're not, because you're holding this food over me, what good is the inheritance? I'm going to die. Like, um, so, um, so yeah, no, they're definitely, and I was toying with using the prodigal son, except for the, it is very similar. Like, it's not as, I think, um telling as of a story like because the like a dad forgiving his son seemed a lot more in in line with like a, a Jesus parallel which is obviously why he's telling that whereas right. w- with two brothers and literally it wasn't just like a oh I took my money and I spent it on all the wrong things like the last time oh. you see Esau before he says uh, before he forgives him is 20 years earlier and like the last thing Esau says is I'm going to kill him like and then it's just like slowly yeah. fade to uh-huh. black you know 20 years later and all of a sudden he's like no I forgive you like look I'm doing fine like this is like so something and that was the thing that was frustrating because it's like in this journey to try to learn about forgiveness this story has a great example of it, but all the forgiveness happens off screen within 20 years and you have no idea what, what happened, what transpired. So that's great. That's a really great point, man. I, I love that. I, I, I never really thought about that, mm. that they, like what happened during that time? Yeah. What happened to, to bring him to that point of, of concluding and, and it certainly didn't involve Jacob at all because they have they were estranged for twenty years. So that again a- emphasizes that forgiveness is something that we could reach within ourselves, regardless of the person who hurt us, offended us, anything. Like they don't right. need to be involved at all. They could be gone for twenty years, and the last thing you yeah. said is, you know, I want to kill them, and then all of a sudden you're like, no, I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I'm so over right. this, you know. So yeah, you know, um, and, and that reminds me too of something that I've heard before, which is. That sometimes the greatest gift that you can give someone is letting them give you a gift. So yeah. The greatest gift that Esau could give Jacob was was letting um, was letting Jacob give him all those animals. And, and yeah. they, I think they probably also had their they had the cousins get married, had their children get married. They're doing that in the Old Yeah, there is stuff with with the family and everything like that. But um, again, there's so much to dissect with it. Um, that it's just like I tried to just you know skim all the you you boil it and everything comes to the top and then you skim that and then use that um, for the real meat and potatoes of it. Yeah, I was, kind of, I was just joking that I think it's just funny that in in uh, in the Old Testament, it, it, a lot of times whenever amends are made between people, they have cousins marry each other. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, yeah. <laughs> it's just a strange yeah. practice. Uh, okay, we, and then I, uh, let's see here. Steve said, thank you so much for talking about Jacob and Esau. I've always been intrigued by their story, and I love your analysis of it, too. Oh, thank you. And just so everyone knows, uh, Steve was on the most recent Meet Your Congregation episode. Oh. Um, and the the movie uh, Eyes of Tammy Faye, which I think is about to, uh, did it already come out? I guess it just came out. Yeah, it just came out. Uh, did it come uh, out already? I think it, I think it like just came out. Uh, he, uh, 
he's in that or the, he's played by an actor in that movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Steve was the first out pastor with AIDS in the mm. mid So anyway, um, Kate said, uh, thanks for this. She has to run. Um, and then I think that's about it. I think that's about it for the questions. All right. Thank you, everyone. Um, you know, I'll leave it open for, you know, another few minutes if you, anyone wants to chime in with any last questions or, or push back even. I don't want you to feel that since Jay is not here, you can't push back if you have a, a question or something um, that you don't jive with that I said. I have no problem with that. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I'd be curious about, like, the, um, the, the, the words that we translate into forgiveness versus atonement, I wonder if they're ever uh, interchanged or if they're as consistently distinct as they are in, in our translations of it. Oh, you know? yeah, that would be an interesting study. That would be yeah. a... Okay. Uh, Steve said... Oh, no, it's not It's not out yet. It's coming out on the 17th. Uh, I, I, September. I yep. Uh, I'm like Jay's disciple, and I didn't even know the date of the movie. No, I... Th- I figured that it was coming out a little bit later because normally we didn't even start seeing trailers for it or anything like that. Oh, so. there's, there's full trailers out now. Oh, is there? Oh, well, I guess I shouldn't have said that because I don't have cable. <laughs> I just use, like, Netflix and all that. Um, I actually only know it from, from YouTube. Is there showing me trailers Oh, wow. YouTube, okay. This so. is the stuff that we cut out. This is this is the yeah. This makes the cutting room floor. So, yeah. but but everybody, um, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you have any last things, toss them in the chat right now because we'll we'll be uh, signing off. Um, but thank you everybody for for watching and for participating, and um, for the great questions and insights. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I hope that my talk made sense and uh, wasn't too rambly but okay you're very focused very very focused and uh i always enjoy hearing from you man i really do genuinely oh thank you your your insights and a lot of times honestly sometimes it's like you got five sermons in one but but this was very focused and very articulate very very well done yeah i think i only had like maybe two two sermons in this one apart from my my (laughs) normal five yeah (laughs) but um Oh, well, Michael, that's, uh, I'm glad that you tuned in. Thank you. Hey, Travis, thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. And thank you for all your questions, Steve, and, and um, making us think. And Michael, thank you for your insights. Everybody, thank you, thank you, thank you. Greg, thank you. All right. Jennifer, thank you. All right, Caleb, so I think um, I'm going to... Uh, log off now and then you can take this video and and put it on, on the interwebs yeah and so uh extract the, the audio and make me sound good take out all yep. the things that i stumble on and <laughs> uh, I'll, take out, I'll take out all the ends so all right so thank you everybody and um i hope to be able to talk again with you guys soon thank you so much josh all right thank you bye bye We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.